Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like domestic terrorists. Uh, and I am your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, Reefer Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, Steve G. What's up with this Robert Aaron Long guy, huh? Robert Aaron Long, he's a caucasoid who shot up two massage parlors here in the Atlanta area and they found this motherfucker 150 miles they say outside of Atlanta so this guy was able to pull off some Grand Theft Auto side missions and get the fuck out of Dodge uh let's back up first of all he was able to shoot some people at one massage parlor drive to another massage parlor kill the kill some more people and get the fuck out of town um and when they arrested him it was no incident he was arrested with no incident there was no tackles there was no shooting there was no tasing just hey we have a comfy seat for you in our back seat (laughs) want some burger king along the way robert aaron long robert aaron fucking long now, I could go typical comic view comedian and be like, well, have that been a black man? But we already know what happened in that narrative. Robert Aaron Long, huh? What's with these assassins with their f- three names? Lee Harvey Oswald. John Wilkes Booth. James Earl Ray. Uh, so we already know that Robert Aaron Long is a sex addict and the fact that we know he's a sex addict is just laughable because why do we give a shit and or piss about his sex addiction uh bottom line the motherfucker murdered people that's all we need to know about Robert Aaron Long he murdered eight people Oh, because he wasn't getting none. Oh, I'm not getting enough sex in this world. I'll show them. Oh, fucking Robert Aaron Long. There's a lot of Robert Aaron Longs in this fucking world, unfortunately. You know, I like sex. I like fucking. And there are times when I feel like I'm not getting ample sex. I'm not getting my just due in the fucking department. But you know what I didn't do? Murder eight people. I've had my bad days. I've had shitty days. I've had days when I've had bad thoughts about what I wanted to do to myself. Never carried it out. I've had bad thoughts about what I wanted to do to other people. Never fucking did it. Don't plan on it. I've had days when I hated my job. Not my current one, but I've had those days like a lot of people. I've had days when I just said, fuck the world. But I never went out and murdered eight people. I'm sure there's some GoFundMe's on the rise, if there aren't already, for Robert Aaron Long. But I fucking digress. But nah, not really. I did see the United States versus Billie Holiday on Hulu. It's uh, 
another one of those Lee Daniels productions. And when I see that name, Lee Daniels, I'm a little skeptical about certain things. Uh, he kind of follows that same vein as of our our uh, hero here, uh, Tyler Perry. And uh, I respect Tyler Perry. I, I respect Lee Daniels to an extent. But man, be prepared for the angry, scary black man. And in the United States versus Billy Holiday, that production did have that uh there was some sense of backbone uh, some sense of spine in some of the black characters but uh obviously the movie is about billy holiday the trials and tribulations of her career the ugly dark side the ugly underworld uh that she had to face and the things that she had to deal with being a black woman and a sought after black woman in the entertainment world and uh one of the main themes uh was her relationship her, her relationships with the various men in her life and her lack of trust. And they showed the relationship she had with her mother and how that was basically the root of her mistrust in her adult years with other people. Um, I strongly recommend it. It's a, uh, it's a great production. Well done, Lee Daniels. Uh, a couple familiar faces in there. The guy who played Chris and everybody hates Chris. Uh, the guy from uh, Snowfall, the one who plays Man Boy uh, or something. I think that's his name, Man Boy. But yeah, the United States versus Billie Holiday. That was great to watch. It was on my watch list for a while. And I finally said, fuck it. I got time tonight. Let's do it. Uh, so yeah, it's worth watching. I wouldn't say it's an instant classic, but uh, if you are into uh, good biopics and if you are familiar with Billie Holiday, if you just like watching stories about historic black people, I strongly recommend the United States versus Billie Holiday. And speaking of snowfall, uh, this current season is a roller coaster ride to say the least. And I have been a fan since day one when it first was debuting on FX. I think they're currently in their fourth season. Uh, just great acting, great narrative. Uh, I'm sure uh, some of it's coming from real life. As we all know, the drug wars that went down in the 80s, Just Say No, the crack epidemic booming uh, from from Los Angeles and spreading all throughout the states and the government intervention throughout it all. So check that out as well. Snowfall. It's available on Hulu. And uh, I have other means of watching my shows and movies, but that is off the record. Now, this Kanye man, just when I count them out, man, Steve, why don't you shut your fucking trap? This Kanye, $6.6 billion due to his Yeezy apparel and footwear deals, making him the richest black man in American history. The richest black man in history. $6.6 billion. Now, I remember listening to his very first album, College Dropout. And on this song where he's talking about he's been working this grave shift on this slave ship, uh, working at retail stores. And man, if you would have told me that same man, that same MC, that same rapper, the backpacker from Chicago would end up being the richest man, richest black man in history. Worth over billions of dollars. I would have balked at the idea. The same man that did Jesus. 
the same man that married Kim Kardashian, and we all thought he was stupid. I was one of them. Steve, why don't you just shut the fuck up? You don't know what you're talking about. You're just a nigga with a podcast. Well, I got a show to continue. But anyways, uh, much respect. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, you got to respect the man uh, for his business savvy. Kanye West, $6.6 billion. That's more. That's more than his tutor. Than his guru. His mentor. He makes more than Sean Carter. Sean Carter's got bags upon bags. He's got bread. He's got dough, boy. But Kanye with 6.6. Oh, my. Kim, forget about it. I wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah, they're divorced, but I'm a billionaire, bitch. I'll buy me another broad. Also, last Sunday was the the Grammys, and uh, I just want to mention, I don't, I don't want to fuck, fucking go over too much in the Grammys, because uh, I don't fuck with the Grammys, I don't fuck with a lot of those award ceremonies, uh, probably, yeah, actually, I don't fuck with any of them, but I just want to note, Nas finally got his first Grammy for Best Rap Album, uh, the same man that gave us Illmatic, the same man that gave us Stillmatic, Godson, it was written, untitled, hip-hop is dead, after giving us decades of his library. One of the best ever to put a pen to the pad. He finally gets his just due in the Grammys, just like the Oscars, just like the Emmys. A lot of those winners were owed those awards. Yeah, we'll give this Oscar to Al Pacino for Sin of a Woman, even though we owed it to him for Serpico, Dog's Day Afternoon, Godfather, Godfather 2. We'll give it to you now. Denzel, oh yeah. We'll give you this Oscar for Training Day, even though we owed it to you for Hurricane, for Malcolm X. Hey, what do I know? Congratulations, Nas. You're one of the greatest MCs, one of my favorite MCs. You're deserving of more. I don't know. That's all I got for that. And on Friday, two new albums were released. The Plugs I Met by Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud and To Kill a Sunrise. Coda the Friend and Static Selecta. And this Static Selecta, man, he is slept on I feel he has been consistent dropping some bangers after bangers and to kill a sunrise it's 10 songs 33 minutes uh, 47 seconds and my picks out of that are wolves the cold and live and direct static selecta he's uh, he reminds me of a premiere he's one of those northeastern producers he's from boston he's from boston and coda the friend he's a he's a younger guy and i don't know too much about him until this album came out but i listened to other tracks by him and uh if you haven't heard of him yet you should definitely check him out if you love and appreciate great hip-hop 
But the plugs I met too, Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud, that is nine songs, 28 minutes, 28 seconds, featuring Chinks, French Montana, Jim Jones, Fat Joe, Rick Hyde, and Two Chains. My tracks on there are Thanksgiving, Plug Talk, Survivor's Remorse, Longevity, and No Instructions. Damn it, I would have hearted every song on there, but I was driving most of the time. And you can't really uh, take your attention off of these roads down here in ATL because they're twisty and turvy and bendy and curvy. Goddamn Mario Kart. Where's the banana peels? But the plugs I met too. And once again from the Griselda camp, Benny the Butcher, uh, you know, Harry Fraud. I, I didn't know much about this guy, but the beat selection on here is Moy Caliente. Uh, but I really, I really want to talk about this Ghostface Killer Raekwon versus. Yes, finally. They got some Wu-Tang involvement back in this versus franchise. We had RZA versus Premier. This was almost a year ago. And just last Saturday, just yesterday, we had Ghostface Killer Raekwon versus. And it had everything a fan could ask for and more. 12-year-old Steve is great. 37-year-old Steve is jumping to the high moons. And the song selection they had, Special Delivery, Skew It on the Barbie uh, with Raekwon's verse, uh, Ghost Dini, Ten Bricks, Fourth Chamber, House of Flying Daggers, Mighty Healthy, Incarcerated Scarfaces, Black Jesus, Live from New York, The Watch, It's Yours, Impossible, 100 rounds, Cherche Lagos, Ice Cream, uh, New God Flow, State of Grace, Nutmeg, Criminology, Cream, Holla, Rainy Days, Remix, Daytona 500, Glaciers of Ice, Run, John Blaze, It's Over, Yayo, One, Rich and Black, Back Like That, Verbal Intercourse, Never Be the Same Again, Cash Deal Rules, Scary Hours, Summertime, Freaking You, Mr. Dalvin's Freaking Mix, the game of rock. Can it all be so simple? That all, all that I got is you. Heaven and hell. <sighs> Look, man. Raekwon, Ghostface Killer. The best duo. They even said it themselves. The, the best dynamic duo ever in hip-hop. Sorry, Styles P and Jadakiss. Sorry, Dre and Snoop. Sorry, Diddy and, and Big. Sorry, Mob Deep. Sorry, Outkast. Sorry, UGK. My favorite, the two, the Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan of this rap shit. Ghostface Killer and Raekwon. Or should I say Goatface Killer? Please, man. Even RZA made an appearance. Master Killer, Cappadonna made an appearance. Even Young Dirty Bastard, ODB's oldest son, his oldest child made an appearance. And Impossible, that was one of my favorite songs on Wu-Tang Forever. And Ghostface even mentioned that he received verse of the year for his verse in Impossible. And I remember buying that, that issue of the Source magazine and reading <clears throat> reading that verse of the year. Called it Ambulance, Jamie's been shot. Word to Kimmy, though, go son, nigga, you my motherfucking heart. The Two of the best storytellers. Word to Slick Rick. Two of the best storytellers ever, man. And we got to see them. 
this versus thing, it, it, it stopped being a competition a while ago. It's more about showcasing and giving the, the best out of your catalog. And also, it's a, it's a chance for the fans to give some of their favorite artists their flowers while they're still here. As I'm watching this versus, I'm seeing all the different celebrities and their, their IG handles scrolling down, scrolling down the screen. And uh, it's it's just a reminder that Wu-Tang is forever. Everyone loves Wu-Tang. And if you don't, you're a fucking terrorist. There. The whole event was over three hours. And I, I still didn't get enough. I mean, I, you know, I did get enough, but I just, the, the Wu fan in me, I wanted more. I can never get enough Wu-Tang. They brought out the goods. They brought out the hits. Now, what's up with Deshaun Watson in Houston, man? And, you know, I, I read the articles, and now the, the quarterback of the Houston Texans, they have 12 claims. 12 claims. That, that's where they're at now. From women who said that he was uh, harassing them, sexual harassment and uh, misconduct. And I'm skeptical about this because that McNair family, man, you got to watch those motherfuckers, man. I, you know, Deshaun Watson's been wanting to get out of Houston for a while now. They shipped away his best wide receiver, his best target. They shipped away J.J. Watt. He wants nothing to do with the place anymore. He's, he's given his all. George Springer, he wanted out of Houston. James Harden, he wanted out of Houston. Not everybody can be Elijah Wan. Not, every, not everybody can make Houston a champion city. Not everybody can make it work. Elijah Wan's a special case. Maybe Jose Altuve will be a lifer. But Deshaun wanted, wants no parts of H. Tyne. He don't love y'all no more. Harden, he did his best. He put on a fat suit and headed out to Brooklyn. Now the man's dropping 40-plus triple-doubles every other night. Now Deshaun Watson, man, they're saying about 12 women at this point uh, claiming that he has been sexually harassing and he he is uh, not conducting himself properly in their presence. But, you know, my, my third eye is blinking and because of him wanting to get traded, I feel like the McNair family is trying to sour the milk. There may be some truth in this. He might be a fucking stone cold freak for all we know, but I'm not dismissing the theory. I'm not dismissing the thought of the McNair family not having their fucking stinky hands involved. Shout out to LeBron being a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. Good for him. He's trying to set up that gray-haired money while he's still playing. Well played. Well played. Now, other things March 21st related. Uh, 
1989, Madonna released Like a Prayer. And her Like a Prayer video, uh, it was taped in December 1988, but it was released and debuted on this day in 1989. And it attracted criticism for its use of Catholic Church icons and for the use of cross-burning imagery, but also garnered praise for its interpretation of discrimination, rape, and faith. Uh, And I remember that being a big deal. I was only five years old at the time, but I remember... Uh, Madonna being looked at and her reputation uh, being looked at as uh, edgy. She was, she had a certain mystique about her. She was young. She was, uh, at the time, I guess, vulgar or maybe vulgar for, for old white people and the church going crowd. Also, on this day, 1994, Steven Spielberg wins his first Academy Award for Best Director uh, for Schindler's List uh, after giving us Jaws and E.T. and Indiana Jones. He finally wins his first for Schindler's List. That happened in 94. And also Tom Hanks and Holly Hunter were winners that night. Uh, In 1997, the movies Selena and Liar Liar premiere in theaters. R.I.P. to Selena. And that was a good movie. I just don't care for Jennifer Lopez. Liar Liar, I actually saw that in the theaters. And as you all know, I'm a Jim Carrey fanatic. And this was uh, not as funny as some of his other ones, but it's, it's still worth watching nonetheless. Now, the main thing that I want to be talking about later is J.R. Ewing. Who shot J.R.? Yes, in 1980, on March 21st, 1980, the TV show Dallas is airing a cliffhanger episode. It's the season finale of season three. Is it season three or four? And the the main antagonist, J.R. Ewing, is shot. And that's all we know at the end of the season. And they spend... America and and the rest of the world actually spends the rest of the summer trying to figure out who the fuck shot J.R. Ewing. It was a big deal at the time and to the point where even Queen Elizabeth was concerned. Who shot J.R.? Who? Everybody wanted to know who shot J.R. They were making bets They were taking side bets on who the fuck shot this man. And people may ask, Steve, why the fuck do we care about who shot J.R.? Steve, why do you care about these fictional white people in the 1980s in Texas? And to that, I say, one, your mom cares. Two, it's a big deal because it is responsible for the season finale cliffhanger. This was not a thing before this. They would just air their final episode for the season and be like, oh, see you in August, see you in September. But who shot JR this episode? Everybody had to step up their game, whether it was a sitcom or a dramedy. Now, in 2021, it's kind of become the standard. A lot of your favorite shows have season finale cliffhangers. And if it wasn't 
for this show airing this episode and the calamity that transpired, if it wasn't for this, Breaking Bad wouldn't have been as bad. The Sopranos probably would have been tenors. Who Shot Mr. Burns wouldn't have even existed. It wouldn't have even been a thing. Yeah. The Simpsons, the animated show. Yeah, Who Shot JR is very influential. Not just on television, but in pop culture in general. Yeah. You're going to learn today. history. In 1941, in a hard-fought 15th title defense, Joe Louis KO's Abe Simon in the 13th round at Olympia Stadium in Detroit for the heavyweight boxing crown. In 1946, Kenny Washington signs with the Rams, becoming the first black NFL player since 1933. In 1953, an NBA record of 106 fouls and 12 players foul out in a Boston versus Syracuse match. In 1959, the 21st NCAA Men's Basketball Championship is held. California beats West Virginia 71-70. West Virginia future Hall of Fame point guard Jerry West is named most outstanding player. In 1961, Art Modell purchases the Cleveland Browns for a then record sum of $3,925,000. In 1964, the 26th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship is held. UCLA beats Duke 98-83. The Bruins' first title and first title game, they had an undefeated season of 30-0. In 1970, the 32nd NCAA Men's Basketball Championship is held. UCLA beats Jacksonville 80-69, and it's the Bruins' fourth straight title under coach John Wooden. 1985, Arthur Ashe is nominated for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. In 1986, Pittsburgh Associates buy the Pittsburgh Pirates for $218 million. In 1994, Wayne Gretzky ties Gordie Howe's NHL record of 801 goals. And in 2019, Japanese baseball right fielder Ichiro Suzuki finishes his career with a record of 4,367 base hits as the Seattle Mariners beat the Oakland A's 5-4 in Tokyo, Japan. And that was my half-assed sports report. Coming up, we're going to talk about who shot J.R. Ewing. We'll be black after these messages. And today's birthdays for March 21st. Happy 48th birthday to American rapper and producer Large Professor. Also turning 48 is American television host Ananda Lewis. Fine. Turning 59 today is American actress, producer, and talk show host Rosie O'Donnell. She wears on a hole with dick holes in them. Also, happy 59th birthday to American actor Matthew Broderick, aka Ferris Bueller. Turning 63 today is English actor, filmmaker, musician, and author Gary Oldman, as well as American comedian, director, screenwriter, and Mr. Louis Dreyfus himself, Brad Hall. Burn records to add 
the balance. Stay you bear the cross of your excess. While you collect souls at their expense. Blood on your hands, free on your mind. Into the arms of death, release the blind. You play God like it's your goddamn right to send them to die. But the price of a life? All the lies you told, every soul. You give nothing, but you take the most. A parasite that feeds on the host till it dies. Never hears the cries of a thousand ghosts. to those no longer with us. This past Monday, we lost American actor Yafed Koto. Born Yafed Frederick Koto on November 15, 1939 in New York City, he's known for numerous film roles as well as starring in the NBC television series Homicide, Life on the Street as Lieutenant Al Gerardello. His films include the science fiction horror film Alien and the Arnold Schwarzenegger science fiction action film The Running Man. He portrayed the main villain, Dr. Kananga, Mr. Big, in the James Bond film Live and Let Die, and he appeared opposite Robert De Niro in the comedy thriller Midnight Run as FBI agent Alonzo Mosley. He died on March 15, 2021 at the age of 81 near Manila, Philippines. His wife, who announced the news on Facebook, did not reveal the cause of his death. Al Freeman Jr. was an American actor, director, and educator. Born Albert Cornelius Freeman Jr. on March 21, 1934 in San Antonio, Texas, he was a life member of the Actors Studio. Freeman appeared in a wide variety of plays, ranging from Leroy Jones' Slave Toilet to Joe Papp's revivals of Long Day's Journey into Night, and Trollius and Cressida in films including My Sweet Charlie, Finian's Rainbow, and Malcolm X, as well as television series and soap operas such as One Life to Live, The Cosby Show, Law and Order, Homicide, Life on the Street, and The Edge of the Night. Freeman died on August 9, 2012 in Washington, D.C. at the age of 78. 
On September 10, 2012, a memorial service was held for Freeman at Howard University. In 2014, the environmental theater space at the Howard University Fine Arts Building was renamed the Al Freeman Jr. Environmental Theater Space in his honor. Rest easy, y'all. Who Shot JR is an advertising catchphrase that American Network CBS created in 1980 to promote the television series Dallas. It referred to the mystery surrounding a murder attempt against villain J.R. Ewing, played by Larry Hagman, in the show's third season finale, A House Divided. The mystery and its catchphrase became a global phenomenon, with international odds makers setting odds for the culprit. The mystery was not resolved until the fourth episode of the fourth season titled Who Done It, which aired eight months later with an estimated 83 million viewers tuning in. The catchphrase has a strong legacy in pop culture, and the format helped popularize the cliffhanger ending for television series. In the final scene of the 1979-80 season, J.R. Ewing hears a noise outside his office, walks out to the corridor to look, and is shot twice by an unseen assailant. The episode titled A House Divided was broadcast on March 21, 1980, and was written by Rena Down and directed by Leonard Katzman. Viewers had to wait all summer to learn whether J.R. would survive and which of his many enemies was responsible. J.R. Ewing was a villain on the series who regularly double-crossed business associates, plotted against his own family, called his wife Sue Ellen a slut, and had her committed to a sanatorium so he could take custody of their infant son, John Ross. Essentially, all the other characters on the show were suspects. Ultimately, the person who pulled the trigger was revealed to be Kristen Shepard in the Who Done It episode, which aired on November 21, 1980. Kristen was J.R.'s scheming sister-in-law and mistress who shot him in a fit of anger. J.R. did not press charges as Kristen claimed she was pregnant with his child as a result of their affair. Hagman had begun Dallas as a secondary character, but by 1980 he was the star. Advised by friend Carol O'Connor that the shooting had made him very valuable, Hagman demanded a raise. While negotiating with the actor, CBS prepared to replace him by having J.R. receive facial reconstructive surgery despite having received the bullet in his stomach. Production for the 1980-81 season began in June 1980 without Hagman. He returned to work 10 days later with a new contract that paid him $100,000 per episode and royalties from J.R. Ewing merchandise. Viewers had to wait an additional two months to find out the answer to the famous question. However, as a strike by the Writers Guild of America began in July, that delayed the production of most network shows by eight weeks. During the delay, CBS showed reruns of early Dallas episodes featuring J.R. Ewing, helping the show's many new fans better understand his character. T-shirts printed with such references as Who Shot JR and I Shot JR became common over the summer, and several media outlets held Who Shot JR contests. The media hype over the series was unprecedented and a global phenomenon. The episode also inspired a novelty record by radio personality Gary Burbank, which reached number 67 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in July 1980. During the 1980 United States presidential election, the Republicans distributed campaign buttons that claimed a Democrat shot Jr. while Democratic incumbent Jimmy Carter joked that he would have no problem financing his campaign if he knew who shot Jr. When Hagman was offered 100,000 pounds during vacation in the United Kingdom for the identity of the shooter, he admitted that neither he nor anyone in the cast knew the answer. Former President Gerald Ford unsuccessfully asked producer Leonard Katzman who the shooter was. He and Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, were among the millions worldwide intrigued by the mystery. 
The crowd at the Royal Ascot yelled JR, JR when Hagman arrived. Betting parlors worldwide took bets as to which one of the 10 or so principal characters had actually pulled the trigger. Odds makers in Las Vegas jokingly placed Tom Landry, the then coach of the Dallas Cowboys football team, at 500-1 to 1 odds. Similarly, former Cowboys quarterback Roger Stoback was placed at 1,000-1 to 1 odds. The Who Done It episode was at the time the highest rated television episode in U.S. history. It had a Nielsen rating of 53.3 and a 76% share, and it was estimated that 83 million people watched the episode, more than the number of voters in that year's presidential election. The previous record for a TV episode had been the 1967 finale of The Fugitive. Who Done It now sits second on the list, beaten in 1983 by the final episode of MASH. In 2011, Ken Tucker of Entertainment Weekly named A House Divided number one of the seven most unforgettable cliffhangers of primetime dramatic television. The episode was an international event, with more than 350 million people tuning in to find out who shot JR. A session of the Turkish parliament was suspended to allow legislators a chance to get home in time to view the conclusion of the cliffhanger. The great success of this 1980 stunt helped popularize in the United States the practice of ending a television season with a cliffhanger. In addition, the episode is credited with helping CNN, which began airing in June 1980, to get off the ground. The Who Shot JR storyline was spoofed in the February 21, 1981 episode of Saturday Night Live, which was guest hosted by Dallas star Charlene Tilton. The episode, sometimes referred to as Who Shot CR, provided several cast members with various motivations to hate co-star Charles Rocket, who was shot in the episode. At the end of the episode, Rocket made the notorious ad-lib comment, I'd like to know who the fuck did it, for which he was subsequently fired. It was spoofed in an episode of The Jeffersons as Florence Turns, when Florence writes a soap opera based on the characteristics of the Jeffersons characters. Who Shot JR was later spoofed in a 1995 The Simpsons episode entitled Who Shot Mr. Burns, which similarly provided many characters with motivation to kill Mr. Burns, and similarly ended on a cliffhanger. Needless to say, if it wasn't for the Who Shot JR cliffhanger, most of your favorite shows wouldn't have great season finales. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure you also check out my sister show, Happening in the 90s, with my buddy Matthew G. We release new episodes every Thursdays. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and your mama's podcast. Y'all be cool now. Peace.